Well, hi, Home Church. It's so great to be with you today. Uh, my name is Ross Abraham, and just want to send our love on behalf of Kathy, my wife, and myself to Daryl and Demi, their family, and to all of you who we do not know in person, but maybe one day we will. It's a great honor for me to be with you today sharing via video. We're all pretty good with this now, whether it be Zoom or video or uh, however it works now. And so we've become quite accustomed to this. And so thank you for the opportunity to share the Word of God today. And I want to jump right in. And I want to share some verses from the book of Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 30. And it's the, the um, almost like a farewell speech of Moses. Uh, Moses, you may or may not have heard of. If, if, if you've been in church world for a while, you would know the story. If you're, if you're older than me, you probably would have done flannel graph with, with Moses in children's church at some time. Um, but, you know, he, he was called by God to lead Israel out of all their years of slavery in Egypt and take them into the promises of God. And for 40 years, they wandered around. And so Moses is one of the great leaders in the Old Testament. And we're coming to the close of his life. And in chapter 30, verse 15 to verse 19, he says this. He's talking to all of Israel. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give them. It's interesting in this set of verses that Moses actually says to Israel, choose life. Like there's a decision you can make today. And I think in this, if there is such a thing as a post-pandemic time, and there probably isn't, I know right now uh, for us, you know, we're, we're uh, parts of Australia are back in lockdown. And, and, but, but we have opportunities every day. And I think this is a really important message for us. Moses is saying to Israel, choose life. You have options today on what to do with your life. Why not be a person that's going to choose to live it to the full, to actually choose life? You know, in the 80s, uh, the, the group Wham, headed up by George Michael, made famous the T-shirts, the Choose Life T-shirts. And I don't know about you, but my wife, uh, uh, her, 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 she had the whole outfit, the pink fluoro Choose Life shirt and the cap and whatever else went with it. But it swept the world and everyone was into this, this logo of choosing life. And Moses is here saying to you and I, I think these words still echo in our hearts today in the era that we live in, that we have an opportunity to either choose a life of 
uh, of death and, and, and a miserable life or to actually choose a life with God, with Jesus, that is a promise of an abundant life. You see, today, life is a choice. Everything we do is a choice. What you have for breakfast is a choice. Whether you marry or whether you stay single, whether you have children, where you go to work, how you get to work, you know, whether you drink alcohol, whether you don't, it is all a choice. And it's interesting in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for life is the word hayim. And that word hayim in the middle is made up of two letter yods, which are a symbol that the, the word yod means a uh, hand. And in the middle of that word hayim is the symbol of two hands. And so for the, the Israelites, this word life, when Moses says choose life, is actually, uh, if, if we're to pull the word apart, it is a symbol of a hand-in-hand relationship with God. And so when Moses said choose life, he wasn't just saying, you know, choose the best place to live. Make sure you get a house on a nice with a water view. Make, make sure you have a great job with a, a good wage. And although that's all wonderful, but he was talking about a life that is in hand and hand partnership with God himself. Now, I don't know about you, but that's quite profound. You know, uh, there's a preacher, pastor in the United States by the name of Andy Stanley. And he has got a statement that says this, and I love it, that following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. You know, I want you to think about it. Following Jesus will not only make your life better, but it'll actually make us as people better at life. It'll help us to become better in our fathering, our mothering, our being colleagues at work, of being, being people who care for one another and know how to love one another well. Actually, this life of following Christ is actually meant to transform us, not just leave us like everyone else. We're meant to be a light. We're meant to be salt. We're meant to be people that are set apart, that are different from the doom and gloom that is through our world today. And Moses, the same words echo true for you and I today. If we're going to make a choice today, why don't we choose a life that is hand in hand with God himself? Because following Jesus is a decision that is always followed by a process. A decision to accept Christ into our life gives us eternity. It gives us an eternal life. But the process of discipleship of being deeply formed and not just shallowly shaped in the image of Jesus. I mean, that's ongoing to the day we leave this earth. And, and, and the process uses the tools that are available to us today. And I think through, you know, the church world that we have today with our, our ability to access technology and, and the alpha courses online and the tools of discipleship and podcasts and books that we have, you know, we, we are inundated with, with information and that is wonderful. But information is not always formation and transformation. And so when we make this decision to choose life, it's not only a life that says, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want to follow you for eternity. But it's also a decision of life that says, I want to be in this process of being shaped to become like Jesus Christ. 
And a lot of people think today that they're looking for happiness all over the world. What's going to make me happy? But in truth, people are looking for purpose. They're looking for why am I here? Why am I created? What am I doing on this earth? And the beautiful thing about a relationship hand in hand, Hayim relationship with Jesus himself is that he shapes our life with purpose in mind. I want to read to you from the New Testament right now from the book of John, chapter 10, verse 7 to verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. He said this. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have a, a life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. You know, what's interesting about John chapter 10 is that this story follows straight on from John chapter 9, where there's a story about a man who was born blind and the disciples and everyone else is trying to find out, you know, why is he blind? Did his parents sin? Did he sin? There's got to be a you know, typical religious jargon that we've all been exposed to. There's got to be a reason you are broken the way you are. You must have done something wrong. And Jesus beautifully comes in and, and this man gets healed and then the Pharisees and religious leaders get so uh, uh, irritated and, and, and furious over this healing that they start accusing the man, the blind man. You obviously were never blind. And they accuse his parents and then they're looking for Jesus. And so it's off the back of that story, that John 10, that Jesus launches in talking about these uh, uh, imposter shepherds. Uh, the, the people that say that they will lead you to life, but in actual fact, they're leading you into more bondage. And the imposter shepherds are, are something that was so prevalent in Jesus' day. And that's why he says, I am the true shepherd. And I love this verse in verse 10 where Jesus says the thief. He's talking about the imposter shepherd. The, 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 the people, the programs, the, the podcasts, the, the principles out there that, that promise liberty, but actually lead us into more bondage. Jesus says those thieves come in to steal, they come in to kill and they come in to destroy. But I have come to give you life and not just life marginally, not just life in, in portions, but life abundant for I am the good shepherd. You know, I don't know how you envision God, but to envision God smiling is not something that's natural for us. You know, envisioning God angry, easy. Envisioning God disappointed, I find that pretty easy. Envisioning God as a mighty God, I can see that. But picturing Jesus as a chuckling God, you know, picturing Jesus actually gut laughing is something I think that, that in, as, as human beings we struggle with. Um, you know, if, if you think about the life of Christ, that, that children wanted to be around him, it tells me that he, he obviously had a lot of fun about him, that people who didn't want religion, People that were from lifestyles that were so opposite to, to what uh, the religious people had pictured a God would really want from his people wanted to be around Jesus. 
you know, one of the, 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 the best descriptions of, of the gospel I've heard um, was that Jesus ate good food with bad people. I, I think, you know, to, to, to be known as a, a, a drunkard and a partier and a friend of sinners, you can't be a serious, you know, angry, frustrated, irritable person and have that as your reputation. Jesus must have had this life that he promised you and I, this abundant life must have been a characteristic of who he was to be so attractive. So let me ask you today, what portrait of Jesus is hanging on the walls of your heart? Is, is Jesus got a frown when you picture him looking at you? Has he got this look of exhaustion looking at you like, oh, they've done it again? Do, do you kind of... Picture Jesus looking at you with, with disappointment that you've dropped the ball again, that, that you haven't lived up to those expectations. Are his lips pursed? Is he judging you? Or do you visualize Jesus laughing, not at you, but with you, laughing at some of the things that we do, some of the things that we, we think and say that Jesus actually enjoys doing life with you and with me? You know, it's interesting when he says here that a thief only comes to rob, kill and destroy that. In in Australia, uh, last year alone, Aussies lost more than uh, half a billion dollars in scams. You know, um, and, and so this is real in our real world that we're always on fraud alert. But there are imposters that want to come and steal joy and steal life from you. And I want you to be aware today that there is a tug of war in between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light for your abundant life. And every day through the media, every day through, through doomsday prepping and, 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 and language, we, we are, are, are stealing, we are stifling, we are suffocating the life that God has promised to each and every one of us. These lies, they, they pull us into uh, our worldly pleasures and thinking we're going to find our joy. They, they pinch us with guilt and they bludgeon us with it, their abuse. And yet all through it, the, the spirit of grace, the spirit of Jesus is whispering, he's wooing, he's, he's trying to romance us into this, this life of abundance. But I know that there are imposters out there that want to steal our joy. They want to steal your passion. They want to kill your vision. They want to destroy your hope. And what I love about when Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance because people today are trying to discover life in a principle. And Jesus comes out and goes, life's not found in a principle. Life is found in a person. And I am that person. And that is why when you think back to Moses saying, choose today life, hayim life, inverted commas almost, those letter yads that, that describe a hand-in-hand relationship with God Himself. Jesus says that's where life is found. And if ever there was a message for the church today to grapple with and to grasp, it is that we are in a season of, of going deeper, being deeply formed, not shallowly shaped, becoming more like Christ. And there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pushing. There's a lot of, of turmoil in our world right now. It's not there to allow us to make our life more lush and more comfortable. It's, al- it's there to, to, to forge us in the furnace of, uh, and the crucible of becoming more Christ-like because in that hand-in-hand relationship, real life 
is discovered. So today, before we close, let me give you three imposter shepherds, which I know have been huge in my own world. And and these may differ to you. You'll have yours, but I'm pretty sure most of us will relate to these three. The first one is this. It's the imposter shepherd of worry. You know, if ever there was a, a shepherd that's trying, an imposter that's trying to lure us away from real life, it's, this, it's the lure of worry. The uncertainty about our future, the uncertainty about our financial future, about our health, you know, international travel, you know, that's, that's so the year 2000. I, I, I mean, there, there are so many variables right now. There are so many changes, borders being closed and vaccines rolled out and then, you know, brought back in because of, of health issues. And, and yet in it all, the, the, the scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And you, you and I know this well, that this imposter shepherd of worry tries to lure us away from the center of God's perfect love. And it gets us back into that sense of control and grappling for control. And I've got to make my future better and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. It is exhausting. And I don't know about you, but I have personally found it exhausting trying to, to, to control everything in my future, trying to be this person that, that is joining all the dots. When I can't join it, my spirit gets, gets, gets in turmoil, my soul gets overwhelmed with anxiety. And I know as clear as anything that what happens is the life of Christ begins to get choked within me. Because the imposter shepherd of worry has lured me away. I love what uh, uh, evangelist Billy Graham said. He said this, when we allow worries to dominate us, we're actually saying that God can't be trusted to take care of us, but he can be trusted. So worries, it's an imposter shepherd. The second one is this, and this is again huge. They're all huge, but words. Words are imposter shepherds. Words that try and shape us. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. This was actually a phrase that was coined in 1872 to help children become more resilient and to let them know that name calling is harmless. Wow, how wrong we were. Because you and I know that we are the product of words that have been spoken over us, Words that, that we have spoken over ourselves. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says it like this, that death and life are in the power of our tongue. I mean, and, and, and we eat of the fruit of, of those two things. So we have the choice. Do we speak death over our circumstance, over our people, over our, our, our kids, over our marriage, over our singleness? Oh, I'll never get married. Or, or maybe you don't want to be married. And, you know, uh, uh, who'd ever want to be married? And I'm going to do this. And no, you're not going to do that. And we, and we talk about people. We lash people with our tongue. Uh, uh, we do so much damage with the words. But the most destructive damage is done internally. Our inner dialogue of 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 how we, our inner critic of how we talk about ourselves and think about ourselves, And those words again choke us from the life that we discover is in Christ. First Peter chapter three, verse 10 says it like this. For whoever would love life and see good days. There it is again. Whoever wants to love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. So, 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 
Scripture tells us if, if we want to have a full day, full of life, then the key is making sure that we keep our tongue and our lips from, from, from poisoning people. You know, this little muscle right here, this little one, right there does so much damage. So much damage has been done through, through history because of a, a mankind's inability to, to bridle their tongue. In the book of James, James gives us as followers of Christ a lashing when it comes to our tongue. He says, you know, we can bridle horses, we can, we can steer ships, we can do all these things, but we cannot bridle the tongue. And, and we have, have and, and our family, our life history proves that all through the world that there are fires that we have lit because of words that we have spoken about other people. Uh, uh, you know, and, and we turn and we're like Tom Cruise and, and he moves he always runs away from his, his explosions. But if you would pause for a moment and look back, many of, many of us would see smoldering ashes or, 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 or forests still on fire because of the destructive words we have spoken. You know, not just over ourselves and our families, but can I say this, over our church. You know, I'm amazed sometimes how, how, how we, quickly we forget that the world has changed in the last year. Nothing is the same. And it's easy to then look at the church and, and Sunday services or weekend services or look at your pastor and whatever it might be and, and criticize and pull apart and find fault. It is the spirit of this world that is so busy trying to cut you and I off from the life that's in Christ and the enemy does it, the imposter shepherd does it by this little thing here and we poison the very field that we're trying to grow in. And I want to encourage you, if you want life, life that's found in Jesus, let me tell you right now, you cannot have a hand-in-hand relationship, a hand-in-hand life with Christ and still be poisoning people with our words. It'll choke the life of God in you and in me. And number three, as we get ready to wrap up, number one, we've got uh, uh, the worry. Number two, we've got the words. And number three is our wounds. Our wounds. The, 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 the pain and the disappointment, the unmet expectations, the words that have been become wounds in our life will often try. They're imposter shepherds that tell you and I that we're not worthy, we're not good enough. If only people knew who we really were. If only people knew what we were really thinking. If only people really knew what happened to you when you were young or what, what you did to someone else. And these wounds want to talk to us. They want to cut us off from that abundant life. But the truth is we were all created by God for a purpose. We are all His masterpiece. And when we were born, we, we, we were born with that need to accomplish, that need to conquer, that, that need to do something significant with our life. But the sad thing is many times the enemy, the imposter shepherds have worked in our lives, even when we were little, when we were small children, to steal, to kill and destroy our ability to fulfill that purpose. The enemy makes us as children uh, question our self-worth and then we, we grow into insecure adults, feeling unworthy of God's love and forcing us to find communities where we fit in with others who struggle with the same low self-esteem. 
or we medicate our pain with, with, uh, 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 and our various hurts with alcohol, with, with drug addictions, with pornography, with codependency. We get into unhealthy relationships and, and eventually this, this self-medicating destroys our ability to be used by God and the purpose that we were created for. And all this, this leads in our life, this, this, this pain and, 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 and discomfort in our life just becomes a circle and a cycle of pain and unhappiness in our life. And all along, Jesus is promising you and I life and life abundant. And I honestly believe as a pastor for almost 35 years now and a leader of a denomination that we are in a season right now of discovering who we are in Christ. And I know for some of us it's old news, but let me tell you, it needs to be a new revelation where we discover again, who am I? Who has God made me? What is my voice? What am I here for? Do not go to your grave without discovering why I am here. Why has God shaped me for such a time as this? Let me read you one more verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says this, but God loves us deeply. I want you to feel this, but God loves us deeply. He is full of mercy. So He gave us new life because of what Christ has done. He gave us life even when we were dead in sin. God's grace has saved you. You know, uh, as, as we come to a close, um, this thought of abundant life is available to you and I. And I love the way Ephesians says it, that for what, through what Christ has done for us, not is doing, has done, what Jesus did upon the cross of carrying our sin as humanity, not just for sin past, but for sin future upon the cross, that through that He has given us an opportunity of new life, of new life. And if I can say, send you one more message before we close, it's we are in a season of discovering, of wrestling, of pushing back the principalities and powers that want to steal, that want to kill, that want to destroy the life of abundance that Jesus has for you and I. And there would be people right now and you have never discovered that life. Can I encourage you today to seize this opportunity that God has got a purpose for you. God has got a plan for you. But there are imposter shepherds out there, out there that want to lure you and lead you away. But life, abundant life, is not found in a principle. It's not found in a podcast. It's not found in a, in a program. It's found in a person and his name is is Jesus. Hey, in life, Moses said, choose it today, hand in hand relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, today I thank you for each and every one of our community that are listening today. Lord, we're all in different stages of life. But Father, I pray wherever the words, the wounds have dug into our life. Father, wherever the worry has tried to choke us, to suffocate us, I pray today that that abundant life of Jesus would shine, would break through. Father, that we would see the green shoots of hope in our circumstance, in our families, in our physical well-being, in our mental and emotional well-being. The green shoots of life, the green shoots of hope, we pray today that abundant life is found in a person 
called Jesus. And I thank you today for that life is available for each and every one of us in your wonderful name. Amen.